if I can be perfectly blunt, and we know there's three operators that control 75% of the U.S. market. They're not as keen on what we're doing as, as some of the operators that are fighting for the 25% of the market, right? And those operators see affordability as a key component to sustainability. And a consumer that takes these checks and is most likely to have a higher lifetime value, be a better customer. And ultimately, you know, you can actually use responsible gambling as a powerful marketing tool. Hey, this is Jesse here. And believe it or not, we made it to episode 50. For this one, we're once again welcoming a guest host to ask the questions, and I'll introduce her to you in just a moment here. But first, I wanted to mention that I'm thinking about what's next for this podcast, and if you're listening to me saying this, it means I'm looking for your feedback on a couple of things. There's a two-minute survey that I really appreciate you checking out, which you can do by going to www.bettingstartups.com, and you'll find a link to the survey at the top of the page. All right, we are back with episode 50 of the Betting Startups podcast. And to mark the occasion for this milestone episode, we are welcoming another guest host to the podcast. Eva Bakun is a longtime supporter of betting industry startups through her work with Clary and Gaming, which includes organizing and producing the Pitch Ice startup competition every year at the Ice Conference in London. Eva, before we talk about the episode, I hope you could tell folks listening a little bit about some of the initiatives you're currently focused on within your role at Clarion. Thank you, Jesse. And wow, what a privilege uh, to uh, be uh, moderating uh, the 50th podcast. Yes. Yeah, so I have been uh, working for a client for quite a few years and uh, currently really focusing on insight and research and talking to the industry, really making sure that we are understanding what the trends are, where the industry is going. And uh, I also focus on some of the initiatives that are relevant perhaps to this podcast. One of them is indeed our startup initiative which I have curated, gosh, for over 10 years as well. That's currently has the shape of Pitch Eyes, which is a startup event that we organize at our leading show in London uh, in early February. Um, and I also launched and currently oversee the development of the Consumer Protection Zone, also a space fully dedicated to responsible gambling, safer gambling consumer protection at Eyes, which again is relevant to this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And it'd be great, Eva, if you could take a moment to introduce the episode to folks listening. And you're right that the work you do within the Consumer Protection Zone is extremely relevant to what Bo is up to with everything at Wager Score. So it'd be great if you could just introduce Bo and the episode and tee it up for everybody listening. Absolutely. Um, so yes, Bo Ray, uh, CEO and founder of uh, Wager Score. Uh, really exciting, but also a different uh, sports betting startup because it is indeed placing consumer protection and responsible gambling at the core of its proposition. And without really kind of stealing the thunder here from what uh, Bo uh, will tell you during the episode, uh, it is a tool that uh, is an elective tool for players to use so that they can control their spend uh, and their betting activity a lot better and indeed become uh, sustainable players. And I think what's particularly um, attractive and progressive about uh, this startup uh, is that Really, in uh, kind of uh, in that context of uh, huge and very aggressive push for a player, mainstream player uh, in the United States, tools like balls aren't perhaps kind of the first choice because of the friction that they might be causing. But it is all about thinking about the future and thinking about creating a sustainable industry and sustainable player base. So um, that's it uh, from me, and I hope you'll enjoy the episode. Well, thanks so much for stepping into the post seat, Eva. It was a fantastic episode. Now, let's get into it with Bo at WagerScore. 
Hi, everyone. I'm really thrilled, but also a little bit nervous today, attempting to fill in for Jesse. My name is Eva Bakron, and I have been involved in the gaming and betting industry since 2009, working in various roles for plugin gaming. Uh, probably best known to you for the organization of Ice London, the flagship uh, gaming exhibition that brings close to 40,000 people to London every year in uh, early February. And for the news and analysis portal, iGamingBusiness.com. I have also been leading on Clarion's various startup initiatives since my beginnings at Clarion. I uh, hope some of you uh, have heard about the Higsby launchpad or perhaps Pitch Eyes. It is through Pitch Eyes indeed that I first came across uh, Jesse and the sports betting uh, podcast last year. We cooperated on Pitch Eyes. And now I really want to thank uh, Jesse for giving me this opportunity to host the podcast today. There is um, actually also another angle that made me really excited about our episode today, uh, which is my involvement uh, in the ICE Consumer Protection Zone, an area on the show floor uh, fully dedicated to showcasing tools, technologies, uh, and best practice in player protection. And that connection uh, will become very clear, I hope, uh, in the course of today's podcast, because my guest, uh, Bo Gray, founder of Wagerscore, has made consumer protection indeed a pretty central uh, to his proposition. Bo, welcome. Great to have you. How are you doing today? Doing well, and thank you for having me. So before we go uh, deep into player protection, uh, which is obviously so important uh, in what you have set up with your startup, uh, could you give our audience uh, some background on who you are, what your history in business and entrepreneurship has been, and what you did uh, before setting up Wagespar? Yeah, so I mean, I guess I'd be considered a serial entrepreneur. I've been involved in a lot of different areas, a lot of different space. More of a marketing and idea type of guy. I was involved in the gaming industry way back in the early days. I was fortunate to get out with a nice sale before the UAIAG. And, you know, since I've kind of really been on the sidelines when it's been the gaming industry and the gaming world and focus more on real estate development and some other projects just outside of the space. And so I always knew at some point that in the USA, they would legalize weed and gaming. And when we looked at how they were looking to uh, attack the Jersey case and repeal PASPA based on state rights, I felt that would be a really good shot. And especially when the Supreme Court decided to take the case that I really felt there'd be a good shot to see legalized gaming in America. And that's when we started kind of thinking our thought process on the wager score and really positioning it for, you know, regulated gaming in the U.S. Awesome. So, you know, in and out of gaming, waiting for the best opportunity to return. And um, so let's really zoom on the wager score. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the startup, how it came about, and really what gap it's, uh, it's selling in. Yeah, so, I, I mean, again, I have two boys, they're 11 and 13. They're going to grow up, what I call them Generation Z or Generation Gamble. Um, they're the first generation in the U.S. that's growing up with legalized gambling. And so I, I, I looked at it as a parent as I didn't think there would be really good pr consumer protections. I wasn't sure about big anything protecting my kids or my friend's kids. So we thought about a uniform score, a risk score for gaming. And so that's how it was evolved. The idea of creating a product more fintech than uh, RG that we could actually use for all consumers. Uh, more, you know, everyone was kind of looking at monetizing and getting folks to bet. We we're focusing on a way to protect people or prevent harmful play and, and creating a product that can be all, all across the industry. Great. Um, and, you know, obviously RG is super important. And before we explore operators, investors, and just general industry 
attitudes towards responsible uh, gambling uh, in the U.S. specifically. Let's talk a little bit more about the product itself. Um, so can you explain uh, what it looks like from a player perspective, what the, journey, what the player journey is and what the play experience? So in the U.S., we have what's called a FICA score, which is a baseline credit score. I think you have that in the U.K. and most overseas market. It's the fundamental for giving people credit. So think about the wager score as a credit score for gambling. But where credit scores use how well you pay your bills, we use affordability as the key component of the wager score. You know, the average consumer has a checking account. Your income comes in, your expenses go out. We know what your discretionary spend is. We can monitor how much of that you're using toward gaming. And so, again, if the average consumer has 10000 coming in, 5000 going out, their discretionary spend is 5000 How much of that are you applying toward gaming? And how is that changing in patterns? And so it, it's not complicated in theory, right? But the way we patented the process uh, is what's unique to what we've done, a uniform risk score for gaming that consumers can understand because it's just like a credit score. You know, get your wager score. It's a PSA, retired athletes, celebrities, and the such. And, you know, operators don't want to share data with each other. You know, obviously, Bet on Jim doesn't want to share with FanDuel, FanDuel, DraftKings, and vice versa, but they can all share data with us and we can create a uniform score to send back to those operators. So if a consumer has a problem with DraftKings, FanDuel may not know about it, right? But if they sent a call to us, they said, well, we're selling some erratic behavior here. What is the financial risk of player XYZ? And we don't divulge the data. We just say, you know, a high, lower, medium financial risk at this time. So think of a uniform score you know, that all operators can can share and pull data from. And is this, uh, so if I'm a player, what would be, what would I need to do? What does it look like from my perspective as a player? Yeah, as a player, it's super easy. You would come to the wager score like you would come get a credit score. Um, at that point, we partner with a fintech company called Plaid, where we use your online banking credentials to pull what's called an asset report as opposed to a credit report. That shows us financial transactions. Then we send you to the operator with the score in hand. Um, that operator will get a unique identifier. And then what we ask the partner operators is to share data back with us. We we can see a lot of data um, on the player, but certain things we can't see like third-party deposits, credit cards, cash deposits, and ultimately handle, which I think is, is the things that we need to see. So as long as you're playing with an operator that uses the wager score, we can get a really good sense of what you're doing and intervene if that, if that play becomes erratic. And really based on financial um, changes more so than player behavior. And what, so what, what uh, has that experience uh, been to date? What have you seen in terms of players' behavior, uh, maybe players' feedback? Have you made any changes to the product since you launched as a result of it? Yeah, well, so unfortunately, we're still waiting on operator data, which we've been waiting for for some time. So we're able to get consumers to get the wager score. And we're noticing that it's more appealing to this next generation of gamers. Older generations are much more guarded in terms of what data they want to share and kind of, I think, open banking where the new consumers, you know, link their bank accounts with 100 apps a day. So they're not concerned about it. So fortunately, we um, just did a partnership with the folks over at Betfred for the Ohio launch. And uh, we'll be we'll be actually kicking things off here January 1st with them. And we'll have a full data share, a full user experience. And we'll really be able to see how how things work, um, you know, and that's really been what was been holding us back is just getting the data back from the operators. I think they're still a little bit, you know, they're focused on on, on getting clients, not losing clients, and, and affordability scares everybody, right? Absolutely, and we'll get to that. But before, really, a little bit more kind of and step uh, step by step of building the product that you kind of you know you explained a little bit. But obviously, here we're talking about uh, you know possibly risky behaviors. 
and about dealing with uh, vulnerabilities. Can you explain what uh, the core foundation of your product um, are in terms of, you know, perhaps NERG research uh, that's out there? Yeah, so there's two things. Number one, I look at it as common sense. I think affordability should be the key component to any type of RG initiative. I think there's studies that are backing it up. If you look at Leonauer and the folks from Rutgers, they just launched a paper not too long ago that said affordability should be one of the biggest things we look at. I don't believe we can control someone's psyche, which is the mental state of any person. Addiction's long and complex, and no one's ever been able to crack that one. But we can intervene if spending gets out of control. And I think we've seen in a lot of different studies that by addressing the problem before it occurs and, and you know getting to it before it has to go to self-exclusion or banning, it is much more effective. And part of what the wager score does is it's consumer education. So there is no one-stop shop in America where you can actually find out how to bet responsibly. And so with us, it's like Credit Karma and some of the credit reporting sites. Consumers can first come, you know, what are the markers of harm and gambling? You know, what are some self-assessment questions? Where can I get help when there's a problem? And then ultimately, if you want to get a wager score, then we can help through that process. And so it really comes down to me, which I think is the key to any RG initiative is affordability. You know, if we don't know how much a consumer can afford to lose, we cannot intervene until it gets too far. And so, you know, it's something that, you know, it's a scary word in the industry of affordability, but I always like to say is an elective tool. We don't want to push anything on any consumer, but if a consumer wants a wager score, share that data and let us help with that journey. And that's what we're saying. Elective. I, I'm all about freedom in America and I don't want to force anything on anyone. But if a consumer wants the wager score and they've taken the time to get the wager score, we want them to be able to play at all operators, right? Like a credit card, pick and choose. And so we don't want to limit that experience, but we need to share that data or, or that shared data back from those operators to make this a, a, a uniform score. Absolutely. So just to be clear, this is really a tool that you need in the hands of the player as an elective tool for them to choose. Um, to what extent they want to guide um, their gaming experience and by their own affordability, right? But at the same time, you also need operators, uh, cooperation when it comes to data um, and kind of information back from those operators to be able to react. Yeah, ex exactly. Like right now, I mean, we have what's called, we have a half a score right now. And so we've been doing some pilot testing and just getting people through the funnels, but we're not really actually, you know, we're, and we're obviously knowing the people that are in the focus groups and the pilots that this is, is a half a score now, because again, without the player data and without the third party deposits that we need, we would be providing a half a score to a consumer. And so, yeah, once that consumer opts in for the wager score, we can send them to the operator. We've done all the heavy lifting because we're educating the consumer on tools and sending them with, with the wager score in hand. So it's not hampering conversion, which is, the, which is the unique thing about what we do. It's not standing in the way of a consumer coming because that consumer wants the wager score and wants to play with an operator that shares that data. Absolutely. Right. So can you tell us um, a little bit more about the traction you've seen today? You mentioned an operator's name. I know it's quite an exciting time for you deploying the pilot project as we speak. Can you talk a little bit more about all of the kind of exciting things happening right now when it comes to your cooperation with different players in the ecosystem? Yeah, I think what we're starting to see, and I, I, if I can be perfectly blunt, I, we know there's three operators that control 75% of the U.S. market. They're not as keen on what we're doing as, as some of the operators that are fighting for the 25% of the market, right? And those operators see affordability as a key component to sustainability. And a consumer that takes these checks and is most likely to have a higher lifetime value, be a better customer. And ultimately, um, you know, you can actually use responsible gambling as a powerful marketing tool. 
And so I'm excited to see that there's a lot of operators now that are taking notice. You know, obviously I've been on the speaking circuit for a little bit last six months and people are starting to recognize what the wager score is. So it's exciting to see that happen. Um, we're starting to get the leagues involved. We've secured uh, our first NFL deal is on the books. We're securing the second one this week. And, and I really think a lot of it will come from the leagues themselves will take the the, the lead on, on, on RG tools and RG initiatives uh, because it's their fans that are going to be betting on the sports and their fans are going to be most at risk. And so it's exciting to see that the NFL teams are getting starting to buy in. And um, I think, again, the other operators are starting to buy in. And it comes down to, I think, if you're not focusing on RG, you're missing something very important in the long term. All right. And can you walk us uh, through the revenue model? What it is today that you're currently doing with different partners uh, and how you see it evolving in the future? Yeah, so, the, you know, the ultimate goal, again, is, is to offer the wager score for all operators, right? If you look at California, you know, they just knocked down 26 and 27, the two props to get gaming there. And I think the gaming industry focused on solving the homeless problem there, which and I live in California. We're not going to solve the homeless problem. That's a fantasy, right? But they should have focused on real safeguards for the consumers. And so ultimately, we see the wager score, you know, like an SAS model where we get a portion of, you know, um, you know, a, a recurring revenue or, or a monthly subscription fee by users that are opting in for the wager score. That's the long term. That's kind of easier to describe. Short term, uh, as operators are, are so concerned about having anything stand away conversion, we operate as a marketing affiliate. And we spend the, the the resources, time, and money to do the hardest part, which is to get a consumer to get a wager score. And so, you know, once they have the wager score, we can direct them to an operator. And so, you know, operators obviously pay us the cost per acquisition based on that model currently, because it makes sense. There's no risk to them. And we do all the heavy lifting, which is actually educating the consumers and getting them to the platforms. So that's the current model. And hopefully it'll be maybe a hybrid of the two. Uh, one of the unique things that we do in our model with the CPA, we donate $100 from every CPA that we get to local nonprofits. And so we use that through part of the marketing funnel. So, you know, the whole idea of, of the wager score is to bet smarter and to give back at the same time. And so that's kind of the model where it sits today and, and, and where we'll probably evolve into the next year. And then we'll come to, you know, obviously the longer term picture. Awesome. And I, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about that um, industry, kind of broader industry um, feedback um, that you've been hearing. Obviously, there's the spears competition for the player right now in the United States. Uh, you know, you mentioned as well that everyone is just so focused on player acquisition um, and conversion. And I imagine uh, the RG tools might be perceived um, by some, if not many, as creating an unnecessary friction. Um, so what kind of feedback have you been getting from the operators um, you have been talking to? And what really works um, in terms of translating the value to operators to the 25%, as you mentioned, uh, perhaps only at the beginning, hopefully, you know, the, the remaining ones will also come on board. Yeah, I, I think they just see it as, 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 as you know, number one, if you have a, a smarter, better, you're going to have a better player at the end of the day. And if you have an educated consumer, you know, you're going to have someone that will have a higher lifetime value. So I just think they're starting to realize that, especially with this next generation, you know, we're everyone is fighting for 21 to, you know, 35-year-old males, right? And those guys are set in their ways. They've been betting a certain way for many years. But this next, you know, once a market gets mature, there's not much room for growth. It's going to come from those turning 21. And if those consumers are educated and have a wager score in hand, which they will, you're going to want to use them and you're going to want to share that data. And I think 
you know, that's what it comes down. And I think that's what some of these operators on the bottom 25% are saying that, you know, a smarter consumer is a better consumer long-term. And what about investors? What is what has your pitch to them been? Is there any specific investor profile that is particularly responsive to this vision of a more sustainable play? Yeah, I, I think a lot of, you know, I kind of learned to work LinkedIn quite well. And I kind of auditioned the, the product out there in the last couple of months. We brought on a partner that's going to help lead a Series A. So I'm, I'm comfortable in, in where we're sitting today. I think we're positioning ourselves as a fintech tool more so than a, than a responsible game tool. If you look at the long-term picture of what we've done, our pens provide something very unique and it's utility pen for the next 20 years that we kind of control the process on. And so we're looking at investors that look at the bigger picture, not just, you know, responsible gambling, right? Because again, it's really a fintech tool that does a lot of different things in phase two and three. And so those are the kind of people that we've been looking at, you know, people that are interested in the space, but also looking at the bigger picture of of a fintech type product. Um, And, uh, you know, there's a lot of startups that listen to this podcast. Uh, Some of them are, you know, also seeing an opportunity in consumer protection and in that message uh, as the market evolves, what would be your advice to them in terms of forming the pitch or forming a part of um, and kind of really persevering uh, with that particular message? Yeah, so to me, it always comes down to the technology and then how you protect that technology. You know, I wrote the provisional patent for the wager score back in 2018. We filed it less than 30 days after the repeal of PASPA. So we took the, the forefront on this process and so, you know, if you have the technology focus on the patent, because that's what really strengthens your brand. And then ultimately, you know, find something that all consumers need to use. Don't be just specific as a niche. I think that's important to any startup where it has to apply to mass. You know, I, I, there's a lot of niche products out there, which do make sense if you want to be a niche operator. But if you really want to disrupt, you have to have a product that all consumers can use. And, you know, that's what takes you to a unicorn. <laughs> Um, and what about uh, the future then? I mean, you you, kind of, you mentioned here that, you know, it's uh, your vision is not all about responsible gambling, that you have thoughts about, you know, play two and three. Can you talk a little bit more about where you want to take or where you could or you plan to take the product yeah, next so it takes it beyond responsible gambling? Yeah, well, so part of what our product wants to do is, you know, it, everything starts with the wager score because there's so much data that can be collected from the wager score. Ultimately, that wager score protects the, the next generation of gamers. And our ultimate goal is to create socially responsible gaming. And so whereas currently, you know, operators are implementing RG into their platforms, what if there was just a platform that focused on RG and social responsibility? And so we'll save that for our next call. And I think Jesse was kind of interested in what we're doing next. But think about a world where there was socially responsible gaming and what we could do with that. So there's a lot of stuff coming. It starts with the wager score, but trust me, it definitely does that here. Do you think social responsibility could really be a competitive advantage? Oh, not only do I think I know it, we're starting to see it. We're we're baiting a product right now that we'll release in the next month and the next generation consumer loves it. And what I'll always say is if you're going to create a zeitgeist, it's not about who's doing it today. It's about who's going to do it for the next 40 years. And if you're an operator and you're not taking into account the way Generation Z thinks, feels, and buys, you're overlooking a huge, huge, huge market. And so, again, I don't think we're going to change consumers today. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit pessimistic that, you know, an older consumer is not going to get a wager score. 
but a younger and next generation consumer will. And, and they'll appreciate companies that protect their finances because it's a big concern. Companies that give back to society, which is a big concern to them. And if, if you're not incorporating social responsibility into your gaming and more so than just, you know, a placeholder on your checkbox, right? Because a lot of it is, right? You're going to lose this next generation and we're going to capture it. So that's what we're doing. We're focusing on not necessarily today, but who's going to be playing for the next 40 years. I wanted to open up from... Ask you to talk even then now more broadly about, you know, your views on the responsible gambling space in the US. You know, I live in Europe. I have seen the evolution of the market from treating responsible gambling uh, really as a compliant issue. So now being up there in strategy discussions um, on the board level, how would you rate those attitudes uh, in the United States? And to what extent what's happening in Europe? Um, is actually um, informing, uh, you know, what you're doing and your conversation, kind of the direction of where where your product is going. Yeah, I, I think you know the fact that we, we we're still moving so slow toward more on the RG space when we know what happened in the UK and what no, we saw it all happen. It's coming here. You know, it's not a matter of you know when it's just a matter of if we start seeing this this next generation have severe problems when it comes to gaming and we're already seeing that in some studies and so i don't think the industry is doing all that good of a job to be honest with you i think we're still talking about self-exclusion and setting limits as the baseline of the defense in the u.s i mean that is not good um and, and so to me i think you know they all say they want to do a lot but you know if you don't look at technology to combat technology what are you really doing and, and so you know, we just went through the responsible gambling month here in the States and, you know, everyone was patting their backs and, oh, I did this and did that. But what did you really accomplish? You're still main focus on your platform is setting your limits and then banning yourself if you get out of control. So what are we really doing to progress this? And so, you know, that's why I said, I think it comes down to building brands around social responsibility for new consumers it is the way you actually, you know, change the industry because they'll, they'll expect it. You know, and a lot of that pressure, again, in Europe is coming from, from the regulators, right? It's not something, it's not a proactive attitude, perhaps, and unfortunately that the industry has, has taken, but it's, it's being man mandated. Um, what role can you see for regulators in the U.S. to play in that evolution? Are you having conversations with the regulators? Well, we will be, and obviously, again, we want to get out of phase one into phase two, and then obviously start working on our organs. We're doing a study soon with one of the main universities in America on the wager score. But I think if you look at what New Jersey is doing, they're taking the lead like they always do, instead of implementing some of these safeguards on the backside of things, you know, looking at player behavior, looking at, you know, markers of harm and how your play affects those things. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's just one of those things where, you know, it'll evolve over time. And what I always want to stress is remember, if we offer an affordability check as an elective tool, and I keep on saying elective because it has to be elective, we, we protect all the stakeholders. We protect the consumer because they want to opt in. We protect the policymakers because they offered a tool for their consumers. And we protect the operators because now the consumer can't say I've lost more money than I should. So that's the solution to the problem as an elective tool. Never force anything about a consumer, but for those that want it, it's a win-win for all, all stakeholders. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I just can't uh, think but wonder, you know, I haven't seen um, kind of the, the increasing importance of, of consumer protection, you know, in Europe, but again, also happening in the U.S. right now. 
Um, and coming from the European perspective, you know, having seen this consumer protections that I talked about at the beginning, kind of growing with so many tools and technologies uh, being so phased in that space. Can you see an opportunity uh, for your startup in Europe? Have you ever considered the European market? Yeah, we totally, we, we have, and we have relationships. Obviously, one of our, our great partners is Entain and the foundation. I work closely with Martin and we're doing a lot. We're doing some things up in Ontario directly with, with the folks there. And I think the, you know, overseas markets, UK makes sense for us. You know, I come from a, a standpoint where I create products and I know how to market them. So, you know, my resources are spread thin when it comes over to those oversight, the overseas markets. So, you know, if we brought on a partner that, that wanted to focus on some of our technology and roll it out to the UK, give me a call. <laughs> well, I hope, you know, you can also join us uh, at ICE and maybe talk and kind of, you know, champion this method in Europe as well. But thanks so much, Bob. Really, I love the idea. Very progressive. You know, I do, I do hope that the idea of sustainable play will evolve towards your vision of the take up um, by the consumers and the operators and the industry as a whole. You know, obviously, we can't assume that the US will follow the same trajectory um, than Europe when it comes to responsible gambling, consumer protection. But I think uh, many are kind of um, already raising the European um, example as a cautionary tale. You know, I do uh, hope that the industry will move forward as it matures in the United States. And, you know, that you might uh, have more com competitors, but competition only keeps us improving um, and innovating. Uh, and then for myself, hope we will see a similar growth of the consumer protection zone um, and the show we're bringing to the United States in December next year. And I hope you'll be, you will also be part of it, um, Bo. And thank you for your time today. I love your product. Again, very progressive and really want to see it evolving and only getting more traction. Thanks for today. And thanks for having me. And we look forward to uh, the gaming revolution. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Take care.